0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Waffle, I am your host Mark Hirons and today we are chatting to Bill Gardner, founder of Logo Lounge and Gardener Design. During this podcast we go deep into Logo Lounge, what it is and the production of the books, the selection of the logos and we learn a bit about the founder, Bill Gardner. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it, thanks very much, this is my chat with Bill Gardner. So the first thing I really wanted to talk about is, um, thanks, yeah. It's uh, why the name Logo Lounge is um, it's an interesting one because obviously I get the name White Blue Deer White Blue Deer design and so I always wanted to know Logo Lounge just an interesting one.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, so <laughs> I probably have uh, somewhere the original file where, and keep in mind we uh, came up with the Logo Lounge name probably 1999 or something like that because it was around before you know we actually uh, got the site built and I and that was the beginning of the internet so mm. you know there were a lot of opportunities name wise to to pick um that I can remember I was doing a lot of alliteration with the double l so I was going logo lobby logo lexicon logo you know and I was yeah, yeah. I, I had this long list of everything that I was trying to go to network solutions on and see what was available and um I don't know you know um Uh, I'll share with you, I have never been in love with the name Logo Lounge, Um, that um, uh, it it works. And early on, um, I even had a a foundation member named Keith Bright, who was quite the designer, that as I was asking him to upload work, because that's part of how we started Logo Lounge, was going to designers and asking them to upload their work, Mm -hmm. you know, that were well-known designers. And... uh, and he goes, yeah, can I encourage you to think through that name? I think it's a crappy name. And, uh, you know, but hey, it's worked. Yeah. And uh, it just happens to be kind of where we landed. And people remember it. So,
0: so you just stuck with it. That's quite cool. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so how did you set Oh, why did you set up Logo Lounge? What was the reasoning?
1: Yeah. Um, so... Uh, You probably have a library full of uh, a number of logo books. Yeah, (laughs) I see. Yep, there you go. And at one point, uh, and and again, I'm not trying to date myself, but uh, in 2001, uh, if you were looking for, uh, let's say that you're doing a logo for a theater and you wanted to utilize a horse, I gave up. And... Uh, you started pulling out your logo books, and you'd sit there with post-it notes, and you'd start flagging every page that had a horse on it, or every page that had a theater logo, or anything else that inspired you. And pretty soon you would have gone through about five pads of post-it notes, and there would be this mound of books with all these little flags hanging out, and you, it, it'd be two or three days later. Mm-hmm. And I started and actually eBay uh, is what inspired me, um, because uh, eBay had just come out and I was kind of going, God, you know, if if somebody can have a teapot and take a picture of it and post it to eBay and put a description in, and five seconds later, I can type in teapot and that teapot appears, everything is there that needs to happen to be able to do the same thing with logos. Yeah. So. Uh, that was the the general premise behind it was this ability to quickly get to um, uh, as much really excellent material um, as possible.
0: That's awesome. That's that's really cool. That's an inspiration from eBay as well. I would never have guessed that. Um, yeah. So with ten books now, I still got that
1: teapot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't buy the teapot. Uh, with ten books now, uh, how long does it take to? Build one book. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, do you have some of the other books by any chance in the Logo Lab series? I don't actually. Yeah, I've read a few of them because I had them um, in yeah. my design college, but I haven't actually bought them. Um, I've uh, only bought the one I'm in. <laughs> no, and,
1: and, and that's fine. Uh, what I was going to say is that uh, this book is a little bit different than some of the prior books. Um, when we first started doing this, uh, the first 60 pages, and it was like a 280-page book, the first 60 pages of it were a series of case studies. Okay. of um, We typically would find 12 firms that we would follow or something like that and uh, do case studies on various identities that were in the news, things mm-hmm. that uh, had some level of popularity or relevance and the likes. And uh, the thing that we've discovered is that um, you know it, it's hard to create something in print that really is covering information that hasn't already been broadly available out there uh, on the internet. Mm. So we kind of cut back on the number of case studies and we trimmed those down to less known case studies maybe. And um, uh, so you'll have seen some of those in the book that you were in. Mm. Congratulations again, yeah. by the way. That's <laughs> so, so cool to have you in there. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, um, also, it's that that book is so highly contextualized so that, uh, you know, uh, when I was first looking at logo books and some of them are still this way, <clears throat> you crack them open. There's a lot of great stuff, yeah. but there, there is no, uh, context to the material that's in there. You know, you, you might have a rabbit right next to a lug wrench right yeah. next to, you know, a building, you know, and they're dissimilar industries. And, um, uh, it, it may be that I'm a little bit anal about it, but the, the, idea of being highly organized, yeah. uh, in the book, which is why you've got the categories that you've got there. And, you know, I, I loved your unboxing because you were sitting there going, Oh, okay, it's an Eagle yeah, and you should probably be in sports, but I see here, they've got a bird's category and you immediately turn to birds. And there it was. So I'm, I'm going, okay, so it works. You know, you've. <laughs> You got yourself there just because there was context, and that's part of what the website does. Is it generates this level of context? So, if you can imagine a logo lounge right now, there's three quarters. No, I take that back. Uh, there's a quarter of a million logos on there. There's better than it's around 264,000 logos. And um, if you were to walk into a room and there were 264,000 anything, you know, just laying there in a pile, it would be totally worthless to you because there's no context, Mm. you know, Um, and the ability for somebody to go on and uh, key in, you know, I'm looking for a horse logo and just to type in a horse and all of a sudden it pulls up I don't know a thousand five hundred horses or you can say just show me the ones that were judged by judges or just show me the ones that um, have the highest ranking or show me the ones by British designers or show me you know so that you can start to really home in on
0: that information that you need. That's awesome um, as well like well, do you think because it was quite early, you did it in two thousand and one? You say so. That's it. That Must have been like, like fairly ahead of its time. Like no one else has ever done that. I don't think anyone else has ever ever done that now. Um, they, 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 hadn't.
1: Of course, there are other sites that you can go to. Logopond Pond, uh, Logo right. um, Moose. A uh, number of number of other sites that are out there. that are obviously you know, or you can go to Dribble or you know any number oh, of yeah, sites that have uh, logos, or you can go to Google. You know, yeah. and just type in logo, but. I think that the uh, primary difference is that we've always been able to uh, gather enough information on any identity or on any information that's uploaded by our members that it is uh, much more searchable and it's much more valuable because of all the, all the metadata that is attached to it uh, for search purposes. The The other thing is that, um, uh, and you know, you, you made the comment about Um, And I think I might have caught this on another one of your podcasts about, um, you know, yeah, there's a membership fee. Um, And, uh, you know, some people look at that membership fee and kind of think, uh, this is my call for entry fee. And it really isn't because the majority of people use the site, you know, for research. Mm. And uh, but there are those people that kind of look at it as a call for entry fee. But when you start to look at it from that perspective, you know, $100 annually. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe uh, to the 19 year old student in uh, the UK that that, you know, is is, is a bunch. And I, I think we've already told everybody, haven't we, that we just gave you a lifetime membership and that oh, you're wow. in there. No, oh, Jesus. oh, Oh, we decided not <laughs> to do that. That's right. You said you didn't, you felt that, that would be unfair for me to do that for you. So, okay, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that probably uh, that kind of a fee, if you look at somebody who's entering competitions and ends up paying, I don't know, thirty bucks an entry or uh, fifty bucks an entry or something like that, yeah. um, doesn't it? Doesn't take many entries for you to all of a sudden find that Logo Lounge becomes this
0: invaluable tool to
1: you. So, just mm. what it is, it put my daughter through school. Let me let me let me leave it at that.
0: That's awesome. Like Building something, I keep saying awesome, but that's, that's fantastic. Like Building something like, that can help such a big situation. Um, it's, again, we're going back to Aaron Draplin, but when he said he paid off his house with graphic design, that's just, like it's, if you put it like that, it's mind-blowing. If you're you know, yeah. pushing your family through school, like, just, yeah, it just blows my mind how... Um, Aaron
1: Draplin paid off his house and he bought his mom a house. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's <clears throat> especially excellent. He's got a couple of houses in there that he's paid off. <laughs>
0: Graphic design is uh, it's a wonderful thing Like you're doing something you love as well because obviously I can tell even by just speaking to you now that like, you're so passionate about it and um, it really shows through and it's, it's yeah, it's amazing to, to me to build something that you, you love and you can do it for the rest of your life. Um,
1: so I was always told when uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was young that the only artists that make any money are dead ones. <laughs> um, you know, but... but, but so there you go it's you know it's the old you know you're never going to make any money as an artist until you die and your paintings become worth something or whatever so i've always considered myself um our profession a little bit of um i'm not sure what the term would be over there but uh, uh we're we're horrors a little <laughs> bit you know that we're, we're we're doing it for the money yeah uh, but uh we also are doing it because we love it you know if the the dirty little secret, and I'll bet you could attest to this is that with most most designers, if you gave them a project that was tasty enough, Mm. they would pay you to do it. You know, it's kind of Mm. Mark, we're gonna let you do a brewery. Oh, a brewery. Oh yeah! Oh, you, you know, and you're you're envisioning the bottles and the caps and the, the yeah. taps and the inside of the place and the packaging and all this stuff, and it's so tasty that sometimes I kind of have to pull our designers back a little bit and kind of go, guys, you know, something's got to pay for the food that's going to feed you. Somebody's got to pay for the shelter that you're living in. Somebody, yeah. you know. So <laughs>
0: it's a good point. It's a good point. I definitely. I mean, my my always my my big goal is um it's been design like Olympic logo, uh, for like, well, like a World Cup. So, you know, never one day when that, <laughs> when that comes. <coughs> uh, one day. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about just doing it anyway, and just um, for the next Olympics or next World Cup, just uh, just like you know, put my feelings out and just try and do it anyway, and um, so <laughs> like a fake one, yeah, I and mean, just, just see how it goes. You know what, um,
1: and I'm not sure I know exactly why it happened. Um, There was a uh, uh, designer uh, named uh, Copeland who developed uh, some of the, uh, he developed the um, uh, logo for the Atlanta Olympic bid, not the one they ultimately ended up with, but um, uh, he kind of set the bar Mm. for what a, a good bid logo looked like. Um, I don't know if you remember, it was a series of five-letter, capital letter A's that formed a star. Each one was a different one of the Olympic colors. They kind of pulled together. Unfortunately, it looked a little bit Wiccan or satanic, but it was a great (laughs) symbol. Um, And um, he was uh, ultimately consulted by a number of Olympics following that, um, asking, you know, know, what do we need to do to put together a great identity package, so on and so forth. And... um, uh, he included me on a list for the Athens Olympics to, um, uh, to design for the Athens Olympics. So we actually did uh, one of the designs for – well, we did a couple of designs that we submitted. They had selected a handful of firms, and uh, we submitted for it and did well, but we didn't get it. Uh, they ended up giving it to Wolf Olin's uh, yeah. working in conjunction with Red Design. Um, at the time for the Athens Olympics and they did a really nice job but it's just such an incredible thing to be included in that group of people, to be a designer uh, asked to design for the Olympics its you know, what yeah, a treat
0: That is fantastic, yeah I mean, the, the, the Wolf Islands do everything Then they, just seem to um, pick up everything all, all the awards, all of the designs all the big reruns <laughs> very jealous of them at the moment um, yeah and I understand your buddy's with my uh, friend uh, Miles Newland too. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I chatted to him last Friday. Um, we talked talked through a few things, um, and it was on the podcast. And it's really nice chat with him. Um, so yeah, that was cool. Uh, how do you know Miles? How, how do you know him?
1: Oh, we've um, through Logan Lounge, we came to meet each other uh, initially, but uh, when I was over there in uh, I was literally uh, in London the day that uh, Wolf Olin's introduced the 2012 Olympic uh, logo proposed logo that was so badly panned and um, uh, I went out to the Sir James Steel bar with Miles and we caught a beer Um, I think I think that's the name of the bar I may be a little bit (laughs) off there uh and uh we, we we talked about that particular logo and i can remember riding around on the tube that day um and all of the uh newspapers that get handed out to you uh, yeah. on the tube were all just merciless on you know <laughs> how they were responding to this 2012 logo for the olympics and how bad it was going to be and. Yeah. Um, uh, we were even with one of the designers from uh, Wolf Olins having that beer that night. That was involved in the project, and he was going, "Yeah," says we've all pretty much been told that we love that logo, and that that's the only answer that we can give anybody if they ask us a question about the logo. We love it.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to say that because Miles told me that um, yeah, he, he was one of the actually one of the people that didn't actually like it. Um, and he's probably told you similar but he's, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this but (laughs) he said that he found that it didn't meet uh, the representation of the UK and it didn't really represent the Olympics it was sort of in between but missing both marks Um, I I can totally get where he's coming from now Um, I I I liked it but I was was first starting doing um, logo design and graphic design but but I I still It's a generational thing
1: Um, Miles and I are, I think, from a similar generation, and uh, we we watched a lot of the graphics, a lot of the uh, visual language uh, that saturated that identity uh, happening during the 70s and uh, the 80s, so um, uh, I, I think that by the time it came around, there was a generation that just kind of felt like <clears throat> it was a cheap revisit mm, to an right. era that's past us. But I, I will say this I think that um, uh, the Olympic Committee pretty much redeemed itself with its uh, applications on it. I thought that, you know, in, in fairness, it's always the application that ends up changing your mind about something.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It was, it, was just seeing it everywhere as well, I mean, seeing it everywhere and seeing everyone done in such a good way as well. I like the, I don't know if I've got it here, but. Had the program from the Olympics somewhere as a souvenir, but it's, it's really nicely done with a gloss finish, um, so it look, look really smart on that. And uh, but yeah, I agree. it's, it's the application? Uh, so, uh, have you ever had any problems with the book, like the, in, during the process?
1: Hmm. Gosh, I'd I'd love to give you some gossip, but. <coughs> In, in actuality, um, Logo Lounge has been one of those few things in life that pretty much has uh, followed the course that you anticipated it was going to. That's cool. That's um, I spent probably two years, maybe three, before technology had caught up to the point where we could actually do it, mm. uh, thinking through the process and, uh, uh, why designers would spend the money to use it and the likes. Um, and, uh, I knew that there were different things that had to add. I, I knew that the book had to come out in order to support the site because it was going to drive people that understood the idea of a competition, despite the fact that logo Lounge wasn't designed as a competition yeah. so much. Um, but I was also, um, at the time I, um, I'm not going to name names, but uh, because i am fairly involved in the design community and uh, uh, had done a lot of traveling and speaking, I would be out there and I would share with somebody an idea that, you know, hey, I've I've got this idea. And I can remember, um, bless his heart, uh, Patrick Coyne, the publisher of um, uh, Communication Arts, Um, I was uh, out there judging Communication Arts uh, design angle and I shared the idea with him, and he go, are you just crazy? <laughs> Who's going to spend money to look at logos on a website? They're going to want them <laughs> in a magazine. They're going to, you know, and he's, that's, you know, his industry, where he's coming from. Yeah. And um, there were a lot of people that told me no. Mm. There were a lot of a lot of people that said it was a bad idea. And, um, uh, and a few that said it was a good idea, but um, it's... Kind of like even even now if somebody comes to me and they've got an idea for something i'm kind of sitting there scratching my head i'll share my thoughts because that's what they've asked for but i always get to the end of it and i say you know what do it because <laughs> i'm i'm proof that sometimes you do something that everybody else gives you this kind of scratch in the head thing and, yeah. and it works you know so don't don't let an idea pass you by
0: that's that's nice i like that advice um Something that, like, yeah, held, held quite close to myself as well. Um, being at school and people sort of laughing at me for doing a bit of, or trying to, you know, build a business whilst I sit, sit at school and being that odd kid in the corner. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, you figured it out, is what you've done, Mark, because when, you know, uh, when you think about this, um, so I. I have a degree in business that I acquired yeah. before I ever went into design. So um, I was a little bit older by the time I got into design by a couple of years than the other students. And I think that one of the things that uh, made a big difference is that I was designing while I was in school for people. You know, I mean, I, I basically started up a freelance business while I was still in school. Mm. And other students were walking out with a portfolio that uh, was a bunch of schoolwork. Um, yeah. uh, were paling compared to my walking out, you know, actually understanding business and,
0: you know, having a
1: full working portfolio of something that somebody I could paid for, yeah. you
0: know, so that's good for you so sort of like a step ahead as well that's, um, would you go to school for design these days? sure yeah, because okay. it, I mean in, the reason why I didn't is because it's a lot of money and yeah um, <laughs> it was sort of weighing up whether I do it and and, or not. And then just, I don't know. It it seemed like a lot of money to me. So I didn't, but um. okay.
1: Let me, let me qualify that and, uh, share this following thought with you, which is I have never hired somebody as a designer based on where they went to school, Mm. what their grade point average was, or if they completed school now, from time to time somebody will get an interview with me because they went to a certain school. Bye. But that doesn't mean they're getting hired. I have always based the people that I've hired off of two things. One is their book, just the work that they have done, mm. where you can kind of get that sense of whether they get it or not. The second thing is passion and if you can tell the individual is passionate about design and they have to have both of those that's a real key and if they're not passionate about design if they've got a great book but they're going yeah i did so and so
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's cool that's that's good to hear because (laughs) um it puts me in a bit of reassurance but i'm I'm like I listened to your little podcast with Ian, my good friend Ian Padgett, and uh, you said that you still you haven't been employed by anyone and yeah, you made it all yourself, sort of thing. That's something. Is that that is true, right? That's true. Say that again. So you, you what what did Ian's what did he, what did I tell Ian? Said um, on the on the podcast you're talking about sort of being self-employed and, and making it yourself, sort of thing. Oh yeah. Is that yeah. so? Oh. That's something that I. I I like the idea of because um, <laughs> I've tried. I've had internships and I have tried to do do stuff like that, but I just found myself a bit controlling. I feel like I I want to be in control of things. Um, you probably caught out of that podcast too.
1: That uh, do you remember? Did I say on there what I had done to put myself through school?
0: Uh, I can't remember for most. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I put myself through school as a magician. Oh yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. I remember that. So um, I was always relatively at ease in front of people and able to, you know, mm. uh, make conversation easily. And because I had traveled and literally traveled around the world doing magic, <clears throat> it gave me the ability to, you know, do some things that other people may not have. Yeah. <clears throat> the challenge was that as it was time for me to focus on design, I would go in for an interview, and somebody would say, "Gosh, that's cool stuff. Show me a trick." yeah <laughs> you know and that was how it always ended. and i'm sitting here kind of going i've got to put away the magic in order to focus on design yeah. because if i don't everybody's going to just you know forever know me as the guy that does magic not the guy that does
0: design so what um what sort of drove you to do that rather than yeah
1: i'm in um
0: uh wichita kansas and
1: wichita has a population on the outside of about half a million Right. <coughs> Pardon me, I've had a little bit of a cold. I'm doing the coffin um, and when it, it's a good enough size community, yeah. but um, as I was starting up a business, um, I was fortunate enough to know some uh, people that would allow me to do some design for them and the likes. But um, it, it wasn't an L.A., it wasn't a Chicago, it wasn't a mm. you know a New York, and. I was always fascinated from the very beginning by identity design. Um, it, it was just always my you know connect, connective tissue. It was that thing that I loved. And uh, you know and here I am years later, and it still is. But there were very few firms that were doing just identity design. And okay. especially around here, there were no firms that were doing just identity design. You might be an advertising agency that occasionally did a logo. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, and and probably like you, uh, you know, a logo comes along and that's candy. I mean, that's, you know, you want to be the one that gets to do that. Yeah. So I would go interview with these firms and I'd talk to them about identity and they'd go, well, oh, that's all fine, but, you know. We don't have enough raw meat to put you in the back room. We just throw you raw meat all day long. You know, you've got to work on other things. And if an identity comes along, I'm probably going to work on that, not you. So, um, uh, I just started uh, uh, doing identity design, and it just kind of uh, turned into one of those things where if I was focused on that. It just turned into a business. I was, you know, freelancing it, and I ultimately just never worked for anybody else. It was just a matter of building my own company wow. uh, around it. So,
0: awesome.
1: You'll you'll do the same thing. The, okay. You know what? Um, so, uh, for the uh, people that watch your podcast that don't know um, our connectivity uh, on this. Um, uh, our relation started here a couple of weeks ago when you posted, or maybe even a week ago, I don't know, uh, when you posted uh, the unboxing of the uh, Logo Lounge book. Yeah. And um, I hate to admit that I I didn't even see it, that it was one of our uh, Logo Lounge staff. It's Ellen Healy you've got to credit, because she's the one that said, have you seen the guy in Britain that's under you? And I'm going, no, So she shows it to me and I'm sitting there and I wrote about this on Logo Lounge about you but it just I just had this feeling it just washed over me. Um, I was you for a few minutes. I, you know, and it sent me back to the very first time, first few times that uh, I had my work published and it is such an incredible mm-hmm. feeling. Tell, tell that story. Uh, it is fantastic.
0: It. Yeah, it, I was, we were going to talk about this, but it's a fantastic, um, like you say, experience, experience and feeling when you when you open the book up and you, and you see it, and it's there, and you, you don't sort of... You have to blink twice because you're not sure it's actually in the book. <laughs> um, and it's good work, too, what you did. Oh, thank you, yeah. Um, so it's, it's just... Yeah, it's, it, I can't really explain it. It's just one that... So it of fills you up and just puts in just a smile on your face. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's and, really amazing. And does it drive you? Hundred percent. Yeah, because you you want to yeah. be in as many books as you, you want to be remembered. So, um, well, I, at least I do. I want to be seen in seen in these books, seen in everywhere I can, and get my name out of there. So. Um,
1: wow, you just made a comment that I've not heard for a long time. But you you just you just nail it. You said I want to be remembered.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, um, think about it. There's a bunch of human beings on this earth that roll through it, that uh, ultimately end up in the grave, that um, outside of some relatives, you know, nobody knows they ever existed. And, you know, there's, there's something about leaving that mark, about, you know, scratching stone, scratching, you know, leaving something there. You think about... Um, you know, uh, if 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 you go back into logo design history and the likes, and people leaving marks, and uh, people doing excavations in Rome, for instance, and finding bricks that have a thumbprint, and a little mark on them that the, the yeah. brickmaker, you yeah. know, marked each of their bricks. You know that so you knew who did that brick. You know it was their mark mm. that you know uh, here they're uncovering that, and it may be you know two thousand years later that's their mark that they left on the earth and they're going to be remembered in some way and uh that's that's part of that feeling as a designer that we get when something like that happens
0: yeah yeah that's that's something i think about a lot as well sort of creating something that's so big that's why i want to do olympics or a a world cup because it's so it's such a big thing and you'll be seen forever (laughs) is that weird i don't know i don't think it is
1: no no, I. It's, it's much less weird than a thought I had when I was very, very, very young. And I was going, what would the ultimate mark be? It'd be the mark on the bottom of the atom bomb that is going to come down <laughs> and destroy the Earth because it's the last thing people will see. No. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't think that's such a good mark to have. But, uh, you know, um, I was uh, your age. No, I take it back. You're younger than I am, so... Uh, was at the time so you're even more accomplished um but uh, i can still remember um the very first things uh that i got in print and in, mm-hmm. within uh about a year's time it was all within one year and you know the the idea uh when you're just starting and man cash is king of spending cash yeah. to enter a competition that you know the chance of your getting in is you know You know, what are the, what are the odds, you know, it's kind of like just throwing money away, you know, a bad bender that you don't even get to get drunk off of. It's just, you know, and it's one of those deals where, um, you're going, this is a crazy idea me spending money to send something in. And, um, I was just wrapping up school and, uh, print magazine. Uh, used to do a thing called a regional annual matter of fact they just printed their very last one ever in print Um, and you could enter all the work that you wanted to for one price maybe 35 bucks at the time and this is years ago and I remember I took all the work that I'd done as a student and sent it in and while that's waiting Somebody sent out the New York Art Directors Club, which is quite the you know quite the thing. Yeah. Sent out a call for entry, and I can remember getting it because I had signed up as a student for Print Magazine and CA, so I was on their mailing list. And uh, I get this thing, and I think, yeah, okay, twenty-five bucks an entry. i yeah, I'll take a shot. And I submitted a couple of logos uh, to that as well. Cut to about. Oh, three months later mm. and on the same day I get a letter from the New York Art Directors Club saying you've had three things accepted in the New York Art Directors Annual I'm going, you know and I think I'd sent five yeah. you know and I'm going i got three, I must be good <laughs> you know and you're kind of and this is before you see it in print yeah. and, uh, and then I get uh, a thing back from uh, print magazine that very same day Saying, hey, you know, you've gotten whatever number of pieces, I forget how many it was, in Prince Annual. And all of a sudden, it's this confirmation that this crap that you've been doing, that you're kind of going, am I any good or not? Somebody else out there Mm. looked at your stuff and said, not only is it good, it's good enough to be in a book. It's, you know, and and I had exactly the same response as you when you're kind of opening that, (laughs) kind of going wow i did that that's me <laughs> this is you know it wouldn't you know and it's there for in perpetuity it's going to be there so just yeah. a great feeling it just sent me back
0: 100 percent. i'm glad i'm really glad that i could give you that feeling as well it's, it's nice to nice to know that someone else uh, sort of you know it felt, felt nice about it felt felt that yeah i'm glad that Glad that it got to you. <laughs> um, well,
1: and I'll and I'll tell you the other thing that I've always uh, uh, appreciated about Logo Lounge is, <clears throat> and I'm I'm trying to think of how to say this, um, but um, Logo Lounge is one of these oddball kind of things because it actually works. You know, one one of the first things that goes through your mind is I'm in print, people are going to see my work and they're going to call me up and want me to do something for them. You know, because they, you know, they're seeing it. And the reality of that, you know, sometimes you get a call. Not very often. Yeah. With Logo Lounge, I had people coming back to us. Uh, I remember Robin Ray from Modern Dog came back to me early on, and so did Felix Sockwell, saying, you know, I walked into this meeting, and the client has a Logo Lounge book there, and says, I saw your work in here, so I'd like to work with you. Amazing. And the, the number of times that I've had people come back to me and say that a client actually found them in you know the book and that, that was why they ended up getting a job that's amazing. I can't count I mean it's just amazing the number of times that's actually happened so
0: because I wouldn't, I wouldn't cool. have thought that clients pick up books like this because it's special, it's definitely directed at uh, designers well I, I think it is anyway Yes. Um, so, t- yeah so it's that's, that's pretty awesome that people have Actually, like non-designers picked the book up. Um, that's cool. I'm really, really yep. impressed by that. Um, yep. So you, you look at so many different logos, like uh, when doing the process and stuff as well. Have you ever noticed a difference in style between different countries? So, like, once yep. you, yeah, so you have. What well, sort of? Because yep. you have Swiss design, obviously being that Helvetica, big bolt. Um, does that replicate in logo design at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and. Um, And I've I've heard this, uh, matter of fact, I think Miles and I even had this conversation about the fact that um, um, Americans tend to be, uh, and I'm I'm not sure if this still stands true, but highly illustrative, um, illustrative uh, with their marks um, more so uh, than he might like. Uh, More so than I think uh, – and it's hard to just say European because, frankly, I can really break Europe into different zones that do different things a little bit differently. Um, um, I've always been uh, kind of impressed with the Scandinavian countries, their ability to um, not fill – Uh, constrained by uh, some of the traditional rules of identity design you know the uh, keep it one color there's no gradation there's no I mean I mean it's kind of like no holds barred um, uh, for them Um, I think that uh, uh, you know you I, I remember you mentioning Roy Smith um, uh, when you were talking about uh, designers, and and I, I think he's got such a beautiful um, uh, illustrative quality uh, to his marks, yeah. and I just really admire uh, his his lines and the likes. But then again, uh, there are other designers over there that have very different qualities. You know, in the UK, um, as you start to move into uh, Russia. Um, and uh, some of the Eastern Bloc countries, more so Russia, you find that they, too, um, are further ahead in some ways than, than we are uh, right. in a lot of things. They're, they're braver with their exploration, maybe. Um, I think the French are a little bit more constrained. The Italian, uh, very, relatively classical in a lot of what they do, uh, sometimes their type yeah. seems to be really behind to me. But it's just you know that that could be my impression. You know, not not everybody's. Mm. Um, uh, surprisingly, there are some great firms in the Middle East that uh, there are some that do some uh, really amazing design. Some that not so much, but uh, some that really do some great um, uh, South America. Uh, Especially, you know, as you start to move into uh, Brazil, uh, they're kind of ahead of the times in a lot of ways. Canada's a little bit more restrained. Australia um, uh, is similar, I think, to uh, America in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, some some design, but yeah, I mean, I. But then again. I mean, this is what I write about is, you know, where we see different design, you know, lifting out of different areas and, uh, what people are paying attention to. And, um, you know, uh, right now, everything is kind of going through this, uh, still, um, I think the pendulum starting to swing out of it, but I think that it reached its full, uh, swing with, uh, uh, this kind of classical kind of, um, uh, very restrained, um, uh, very, uh, Spartan kind of look to it, right. uh, typography, especially, and you know, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see a little bit more personality again, yeah. but, uh, I think that it's been so hard conveying brand messages that a lot of people have kind of resorted to uh, let's make absolutely positive that people get the message that let's make it as restrained as possible. Mm. So, yeah. You
0: know. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, a trend to like, make it simple and simple, oh, the simplest it can be, like you say, uh, especially with big brands as well. You've been seeing it more recently. Um, they've all, all been going towards the simple uh, simple. Well, this really simple like, text. Just they look all the same as well. That's the problem like all the, all the social medias like Pinterest, um Facebook, uh, Instagram. They're all becoming the same. I don't know. It's sort of a bit boring for me. When I when I looked at them last year, when they all had the sort of rebrand, they all they all had a little bit of a change. It all sort of felt very the samey and a bit. They lost their personality, like you say, because Pinterest got rid of their script style, and uh, it was just. Uh, yeah, it's just a way that, I don't know, I don't really know how to sum it up, but. You
1: know, I was just talking to um, <laughs> i I'm, I'm, I'm catching you at the tail end of my talking because I was speaking to a group yesterday and I spoke to another group here about an hour ago yeah. and I just showed up here at the office so that we could have this conversation. But um, one of the things that we were talking about um, uh, was this idea of brand language in the uh, the visual vocabulary that hangs with a brand as opposed to the mark itself. And I think that that's the area that so many people just kind of totally miss is, um, you know, I, I know that we tend to look at, uh, logos as a, you know, uh, here's this element on a white background mm. and it doesn't exist like it does in the book. You know, it always has context. And, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Chobani uh, yogurt uh, logo. That's just if you if you look on Brand News, Armin covers it really well, um, uh, but. It is a, um, uh, a Greek yogurt company that's in the U.S. Anyway, it's the second largest in the market. It started in 2005. Um, they bought out a shuttered uh, factory that Kraft uh, had used to make yogurt in and they make it there now and it's done incredibly well. It's about a $2 billion sales company uh, a year. Uh, but. Um, they uh, just recently, um, well, a couple of years ago, hired Leland away, who was uh, one of the uh, partners originally in the brand consultancy Collins, mm. along with Brian Collins. And uh, he's now their uh, vice president designer, design director there. Uh, but he introduced this new identity, which is I just kept looking at it, it was no more than Jabani in a font. Um, You know, it was one they'd crafted, but it kind of had the '70s throwback feel to it, and it was upper and lowercase and kind of chunky and kind of smooth, and but at the same time, it was just a font, Mm. and I was very unexcited about it. Until I started really looking at what he had done and all the other components that work together in the packaging and their commercials and their literature and their, you know, in-store displays. And it just became vivid and real and just is so tasty. Um, and such subtle decisions were made that you realize that some people look at a solution and go, Oh, it's incredibly plain. Yeah but they don't get the full breadth of its application of what really makes it so tasty and robust.
0: Mm. I mean, that's where we're going to see it as well. Obviously, like you say, we don't just see it on a white background unless it's in a book, And then, but the rest of the time we see it in this packaging and um, everywhere else. So that's, if they can make that exciting, like you said, like the Olympics did, um, then it, it sort of brings it to yeah. life a bit more. exactly. And that's the fun bit as well, I think. Um, exactly. So the last three questions I ask everyone. Uh, okay. The first one is. Oh
1: well, in that case, I'm going to sign off now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the same thing you're going to ask everybody. No, okay. They're important questions. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can't answer them a little bit different then.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, your best purchase uh, under a hundred dollars. Is the first one.
1: Oh. Okay. And it could be a logo um, membership, but. <laughs> <laughs> um about this little guy right here interesting um see if i can get him in here yeah 45 dollars at a um swamp mart in long beach california and it's a little air india guy um i love little um uh, goofy things like this so yeah. you know anyway go figure
0: nice that's that's i didn't expect that <laughs> yeah cool um
1: here 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 or or I, can, or I can show you stuff that people just send me for free and that's a purchase that's under a hundred dollars because it doesn't cost me a damn thing and it's kind of like designers love to send me the stuff that they've designed and uh uh because this one really is tasty yeah
0: anyway that's beautiful that is as well i love um alcohol packaging it's just uh, it's always well mostly nice this is something intricate and lots of uh, different details it's beautiful um the best book you've read? Um,
1: You know, um, I'll uh, give you two answers there. Uh, One is uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged, and it's because it has absolutely nothing to do with design, but it has everything to do with humanity and uh, society and uh, the likes. Um, from a design perspective, uh, there's a number of them. I'm sitting here trying to debate which one. You know, Wally Owens uh, wrote a couple of really exceptional books on uh, uh, global identity, um, corporate identity. And uh, those were some of the ones that I cut my teeth on um, early on. Um, I'm going to scroll out of the picture to grab something again here. Sure. Uh, probably, uh, and this wasn't the question you were asking, but if you can ever get a hold of a set of the Yasabura Kuyama, uh, books? Do you have these?
0: I don't, but they're they're so rare and hard to get hold of, and so expensive. Yeah. and you do, I need to get hands on them. Yeah, something. yeah. Uh, the two of them.
1: There's one on uh, alpha uh, Roman alphanumeric uh, identities, and another one on uh, symbol. Oh, right. And And uh, there are a couple of my, you know what, um, books mean so much to me. They really do. I mean, it was where I cut my teeth. And, you know, I, I probably have memorized this book front to back, you know, all the logos that are in it at some point in time. Yeah. Because, they, you know, just looking at, you know, the different marks, there's such magic. You know, just kind of looking at those. This isn't even my book, but it's yeah. one of my favorite, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that particular set was part of the inspiration for Logo Lounge and having that level of context uh, and the likes, and just love those. Yeah. Um, there, there's another little book I'll throw out there real cool. quick, which is um, one that was done by uh, uh, a gentleman named Gordon McKenzie um, called Orbiting the Giant Hairball, Um and it's, you know, funny title. Yeah. But uh, Gordon was, uh, he, he gave himself his title. He worked for Hallmark.
0: Are you familiar with Hallmark? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Did um, a <laughs> uh, uh, cards, uh, greeting yeah, cards, birthday yeah, yeah. no, no. cards, and yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> Gordon worked there, and his title was on the business card, it said Creative Paradox. Uh, that was his title, and Hallmark was such a business-oriented company with such an incredible bunch of designers, but they—they they just, you know, they didn't understand how the others worked. Right. And Gordon's job was to figure out how to get these two portions of the company to work together. Yeah. And uh, giant orbiting the giant hairball was uh, based on this idea that a. Um, That everybody, every company, Mark, when you start your own company, you're going to set a rule. It may just be one. It may be that, you know, uh, you got to be there at eight in the morning. I give up. Maybe that's the rule. And pretty soon you end up having to set a new rule, which is, um, okay, uh, you, you have to, you know, sketch things out before you actually go to the computer. I don't know, whatever the rule is. Yeah. And pretty soon, you have so many rules that you have created. Imagine a rule as being a piece of hair mm. that eventually you've got what he referred to as a hairball, this, you know, the, you've dust bunnies or whatever you call them, where you yeah. get all these hairs are kind of tangled together and intermeshed. And it becomes so challenging that the rules keep you from doing your work because there's just too many rules. Yeah. And his idea was what you want to do is you want to orbit the hairball. You wanna you wanna have the gravity of it keep you close, but you don't want to get meshed into all these rules. But you don't want to get too far away because you lose the gravity
0: mm.
1: and then you have no relevance to people. You've just totally lost it. So he calls it orbiting the giant hairball, which is and it's a bunch of short stories, but it really helps creators understand their place in the world.
0: So that's it. something to think about. That's a clever, clever title and clever, clever idea for a book. I'm definitely going to pick that one up now. Um, one I haven't heard of as well. It's interesting. Thank you. Uh, the final question. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, but how do you want to be remembered? <laughs>
1: Oh, over a couple of drinks probably and that'll do it. Um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful wife and a uh, exceptional daughter That um, and just great family and great friends. Uh, but I think that you and I, our conversation touched on it earlier, which is there's always that desire to leave some level on mark out there that people are going to remember you by mark that kind of goes, you know, I remember when Mark was working on the design on that. And, you know, I remember how he came up with that idea to work with that disc. And I remember him thinking, and he he shared with me and, and it's the stories behind these, Um, you know, there's, um, uh, there, there, there's a thought out there that is the difference between design In marketing which is that marketers will craft a story around a design Mm. but they can't actually change what that product is all they can do is they can sell whatever that product is you and I have the ability as designers to think through that product and what it can be yeah so that if we're sitting here looking at this book and going, that's the product, and we're thinking, God, what can it be? Mm, maybe it could be a website where you take all these logos, and those logos are available to you by just doing a search. God, what a crazy idea! Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe they could do a competition. Up. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but maybe, and and maybe it could lead to some trend reports that you know the author does annually. And it's you know, as designers. We're the ones that are able to take an idea and expand it out and change it because we design that thing that then you craft a story around. Yeah. So there
0: you go. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great way of saying it. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time.
1: Hey, you got it. It's a great pleasure to talk to you, man. You've got a wonderful way about you. By the way, if you've not watched Mark and his grandma talk about <laughs> um, logos, watch that one because mark's going to teach you how to be a grandson
0: and a damn good one oh thank You're you brilliant I, I didn't realize you even watched that one <laughs> no i appreciate that thank you um yeah, yeah. she's she's witty and sharp <laughs> i'm teaching her about it day by day she's getting better yeah week by week despite
1: the fact she's not so sure about f you know formula one racing but you know outside of that she's she's there
0: She's good. She when uh, when she saw the arrow and the FedEx logos, you know, it was like like a new designer that clicked, and the light bulb switched on, and it was amazing. It's nice to see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a lucky man, Mark. Yeah. You're a lucky man.
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. All right. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Creative Waffle. Thank you very much to Bill for being on the show. You can go and find him at gardenerdesign.com or at logolounge.com, sign up, become a member. Um, It's a really nice community of designers and loads and loads of logos for inspiration too. Also, you can pick up a Logo Lounge book from Amazon or other good retailers online. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a like, a review or whatever. Uh, Thanks very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.